This is the weekend at Wander's Church, and we're in a message series called The Fool and His Money, and this is part three. And then if you are a Waters Church person, I uh, want to let you know about March 19th and 22nd. March 19th and 22nd, we are doing a capital campaign legacy offering. Legacy offering. What does that mean? We're going to take two offerings that weekend, and here's the deal. We want to leave a legacy in Jesus' name with the time that we had here on this earth. Can I get a good amen from everybody? What does legacy mean? It means that we want to leave behind something for the next generation that's of value. And what could be of more value than gospel preaching churches across the world? I want to leave gospel preaching churches across the world. Anybody with me? Because if the gospel's not preached, we don't reach people. Jesus doesn't come. And that's true because the scripture says we hasten the day of his arrival. Um, and he said that he's coming when everybody hears. That's what he said. He actually said, when the gospel's preached to every creature, I'm coming. And so there's a lot of people groups out there we still need to preach the gospel to. Hey, we just started a church in Guatemala, Zacapa, Guatemala. Isn't that cool? That's wonderful. I, I got Peru on my mind. That one, maybe next. Who knows? We, we got some connections there. But, but here's the deal. Uh, we are starting a church in uh, Florida, Fall River. We're going to start our church very soon. Praise God. And we've got one socket opening up real soon with their building. I was just there yesterday. Uh, electricity, sheetrock going up in the building. Starting to take shape. Looks pretty cool. So exciting things, right? But how does this all happen? It happens because people catch a vision for leaving a legacy, a legacy of the gospel to say, I will partner with you, Waters Church. I will do what you're talking about. Here's money. Here's provision. See, God does not drop money from the heavens for what he's doing here. He uses people like you. We are in this building because of people like you who said, I will give money to the next generation after me. Some of those people aren't even here anymore and they gave money for you to be here today. What do you do with that? You say, thank you, Jesus, and then you pass it forward. That's what you do. You just I'm just a link in the chain of, geni uh, of generations that make it possible for people to hear the gospel. So that's what we're doing March 19th and 22nd, Thursday and Sunday, Legacy Capital Campaign Offering, and I've got a special guest with me that Sunday. You do not want to miss it. Okay, let's get into the Word. Let's pray together at all of our campuses. Bow your heads with me. Father, I pray that you will bless this Word to our ears, that our hearts will receive what you have for us. Our minds will be transformed and renewed through the power of your Word, and help us to see Jesus. In his name we pray and everybody said, amen. amen. Hey, when I was a teen, uh, I was a teenager in the 90s. And how many know that the 90s uh, produced some really interesting fads? Some fashion fads I'm talking about. You see, in the 80s, they weren't as inventive as we were in the 90s. In the 80s, what did they come up with? Mullets, flannel shirts, and pegged pants. How many remember that, right? What were we thinking? <laughs> the 90s came along and MC Hammer told us, you can't touch this. He taught us how to put ladders in our hair. Remember the ladder lines? How many did this? I, 
I hate to confess to you that I did this. And then he introduced us to something called parachute pants. Now, evidently, there's a new style of parachute pants that are actually pretty cool looking. The MC Hammer parachute pants only looked cool on MC Hammer. Okay, but it didn't stop young guys like me, 14, 12-year-old boys like me, buying up some parachute pants. And I'm glad it was a fad, because could you imagine if I was wearing parachute pants today? Yeah, yeah. Actually, I think I rocked that look right there. I mean, that was Photoshop, just so you know. I think we have another one with gold. Do we have? Yeah. Can't touch this. <laughs> Thank God it was a fad. Amen. Have you ever bought something just to fit in? Have you ever bought something to get someone else's approval? That's what parachute pants were. You know, like MC Hammer bought pa parachute pants or, you know, came up with it or whatever, bought them at some point to be, to stand out. Like he wanted to set himself apart from everybody else. Everybody after MC Hammer bought parachute pants to fit in. Think about that. And this is the human condition. We long to fit in. We want to belong. This is why we buy the clothes that we wear still even to this day. The, the, the style of hairs that we, that we put on our heads. The, 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 the style of hat or the style of shoes or the car that we drive or the neighborhood that we want to move into. The things that we pay for so that we can get approved of by some group of people that we have for some reason chosen and selected to be the people that we want to belong to. This is what we do. And consumers are very, uh, I'm sorry, and, and businesses, not consumers, businesses and marketers and advertisers are very aware that we have an inward condition that longs to belong. And they will sell us belonging. They will sell us belonging with homes. They will sell us belonging with cars. They will sell us belonging with clothing. And then even today, they sell us belonging with matches. Like, you know, not, not, not the fire matches. Um, soulmates, right? Um, uh, marriage, dating. You know, log on to suchandsuch.com and find your soulmate. For the low, low price of $49.95 a month, right? I mean, that's how it goes. And I even thought, like, there's this huge boon in this industry of ancestry, genealogy. So people will pay money to give their DNA to some company, some weird company that they have no relationship to. They will give their DNA to them. Why are they doing this? Because they want to know, where do I belong? Uh, where do I come from? This is a powerful pull on the human heart to feel like I fit in. And if we're not careful, we will give our money, we will give our resources to find our place in the world. I heard about this porn site, and I heard about this porn site from a Christian website, so don't get any funny ideas. I heard about this porn site that actually takes your personal request, your custom request for whatever kind of video you want to see. They will take your request. They will perform it. They will do it. They will tape it. And then they will send it back to you. Again, I read about this on a Christian website. Anyway, <laughs> um, there was this one request that blew them away. And it was the request of a solitary man who sent an email from an anonymous email. Set up an anonymous email account. Sent him an email. Here was the request. He asked them to do this scene. I would like one of your porn stars to sit on a couch, fully clothed, all alone, look into the camera, and say the following words. You are loved. Things may be bad right now, but they won't always be. Suicide is not the answer. 
End of request. Wow. Wow. The company was blown away by the request. They said, how bad is it going for this gentleman that he comes to a porn company to get somebody to pay somebody to tell him he's loved? Friends, that's the human condition. We want to be loved, and if we can't find it from someone who will do it for us as good as at their heart, we will pay people even in the sex industry, to tell us that we belong somewhere. We're all paying for attention. That's the title of the message. We're paying for attention. I almost called this message paying for parachute pants. Because that's what I was doing. I had seven, I had not one, I had seven pairs of parachute pants. Yeah, one for every day of the week. I was that much of a loser. Amen. Thank God for Jesus. He changes us. Amen. What do we pay for it? You know, I had a different message in mind today for money, fooling his money part three. I was going to just talk about the tithe. And I was going to really lay into it, man, because I love preaching about the tithe. I think the tithe is godly. I think it's still something we should do. I think it's something that empowers the gospel. Uh, of course, it depends on what church you go to because a lot of churches expect you to tithe and all they want you to pay for is uh, pastor salaries and that sort of thing. Uh, I want you to tithe to this church so that we can... So that we can Give the gospel forward motion into Fall River, into Florida, into, into Guatemala, into Peru maybe. Who knows? And, and even here, we're not done even here in North Attleboro until every person has heard about Jesus. Amen? So I was going to do this huge long message on tithing, and I, I was just going like, to go off on it. And, I thought, no, I, the Lord has to change that. He, cha he actually changed it. I didn't say that. He said, i got to change this message. But, but I thought, here, here's what I was going to say. I was actually going to say letter A, like in your notes. So I was going to do this. So you don't have to worry about it. I, I'm just telling you what I was going to say, but I still want you to write it down. <laughs> I was going to say letter A, the tithe is one-tenth of your income that you bring back to God. I was, this is what I was going to say. I, do, I, was, I was so excited for it. I was, I was ready, right? The tithe is one-tenth. And the first ten, that you bring back to God. Why bring? Why bring and not give? Because you don't give to God anything that he doesn't already have. You bring it. Like in Malachi 3.10, he says it. Malachi 3.10. Bring. Somebody say bring. Bring the full tithe. The full one-tenth into the storehouse. That's the worship center for Israel. That there may be food in my house. And he says, put me to the test. I dare you, God says. I dare you to try it. And see if I won't throw open the windows of heaven and pour out such a blessing for you that you cannot contain it. There's just no more need. That's, that's what I was going to talk about today. And I was even going to answer some of your challenging questions like, isn't the tithe Old Testament? Well, 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 yeah, it's in the Old Testament. But Jesus affirms it in the New Testament in Matthew 23, verse 23. And I was going to talk about the fact that, yeah, in the Old Testament, sure, yeah, they gave one-tenth of their income. But, but in the New Testament, in the book of Acts, chapter 2 and chapter 4 and other places, they didn't give one-tenth. They gave one hundred percent. So I was like, okay, if you want to pick, I was going to say, if you want to pick a testament to obey, I'm okay with you picking either of those. Pick one-tenth or a one hundred percent. But, but, I, but I think that one-tenth is a great starting place to learn how to be generous and how to let go of your money. Because I think when we put God first, things, good things happen. Amen. Then I was going to say, let her be. 
Let it be like the tithe opens the door for God's blessing for God's people. This, is, this was going to be my, my message, so, so write it down just so you know. Right? The tithe opens the door for God's blessing for God's people. And I was going to say, you know, I, I didn't invent this idea. God did. God did. Again, Malachi 3, verse 11, and it says this, I will rebuke after... After you tithe, God says, you put me first financially. I will rebuke the devourer for you, and, 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 this, and the destroyer will not eat the fruit of your soil, and your vine shall not fail to bear, says the Lord of hosts. In other words, God says, when you put me first financially, not only am I going to bless you, I'm going to protect you. I'm going to protect you from all the accidents, all the disasters, coronavirus, that could kill you that could rob you and I was going to share this and then I was going to go really strong on this because our church is a tithing church I don't know if you know that our church is a tithing church what do you mean by that I mean I'm not talking about you personally I'm talking about us organizationally one-tenth of everything that you give us goes out to missions beyond waters church isn't that cool the Lord, yeah, the Lord convinced me we need to do this as a church. I can't ask you to do what we're not doing. And I was going to tell you about the fact that in 2013, we made a decision as a church to tithe as a church. And it was a big decision because we were scared about, well, what, what will happen? And, and so what we did was, who cares? We, we know what God says, and, and we're going to do it. So we did. And I could show you the books even to this day how in 2013 our income was one thing. We started tithing, and in 2014, our income, I kid you not, was double what it was in 2013. I could show you the books. God was faithful to his word. It's amazing, right? And so we give over uh, $200,000 a year just from this location to foreign missions, to other church planting organizations, to India, to Guatemala, to um, El Salvador, beyond our church campuses, beyond what we're doing as a church, right? Because I believe that a church that bears the name of Jesus should be generous like Jesus. So I was going to talk about that, and then I was going to talk about here's why some of you can't do it, because you put God last on the list of the things that you put your money to. And so I was going to have this cameraman come out from behind stage. I was going to have this guy, yeah, this cameraman right here. He was going to come out on stage, and then I was going to use this illustration of a pie. Come on over here, cameraman. And I was just going to say, like, this pie represents, represents your your pay, and that there's like basically three, three places we got to put our money, government, ourselves, and God. And here's why some people can't tithe, because how many know no matter what size of your pie, um, yeah, yeah, there we go. <laughs> no matter what size of your pie, how many know the government is going to come and take a chunk of it? Boo, right? No, not boo, because I like roads. I like plowed roads. I, I like public schools, right? I, I, I don't mind that, okay? So there's still some things that government does that I'm glad for. So, oh, I like a strong military. Yeah, so, so I'm good with that. But, but here's the thing. No matter what, that's happening. And then here's the problem. Here's the breakdown for Christians. This is, this is what I was going to tell you. Right? Okay. So then we say, okay, now i got to pay for my mortgage and so, you know, or my rent, whatever. And, and then that's to me. And then i got to pay for food, like, because I do like pie. And so, you know, food. And then i got to pay for clothes. 
All this was going to go down. It was going to be a great message. <laughs> it was going to be a messy message. And then, um, you know, clothing and then electric bill. And then, you know, I have to have heat in my house, so that's gas or oil, depending on what kind of house you have. I, this pile for me is getting pretty big. Government, me, and then, oh, oh, I was going to really nail this, like pets, pets. So some people, a lot of Christians, give more money to their pets than to God, and then I got to go to the movies because, you know, I got to see the next Marvel movie, by all means, I can't avoid that. That story, I got to find some closure to, and then all this other stuff, like, you know, fun stuff, like Starbucks coffees. And all that stuff that I told you was luxuries a couple weeks ago. And, and, and everybody is so concerned. Government gets its share. I take my share. And then I, I think, oh, right. That's right. God. And here's where a lot of Christians are. Uh, that's what I got for you, God. This is what I was going to do. And at this moment, it was going to get real quiet. Because unfortunately, because a lot of Christians put God last... That's where it is. He gets the crumbs. Oh, it was going to be a good message. It was going to be a good message. And, a, and then I was going to talk about how the trick is that if you put God first, if you put God first, that first tenth, guess what you get to tell the government in this country? You get less. Oh, yeah. Because... Because I gave to God first. And in this country, that's tax deductible. What? <laughs> and then I was going to talk about that if you do certain savings programs, certain savings programs where you give to your, your future self first. Ooh, if you actually did that, you also get to tell the government, I'm giving you less. Hallelujah. <laughs> oh, man, that message. It was going to be good. Thank you, cameraman, for helping me tell them what I was going to tell them. Thank you. And here's the deal. Um, then I was going to say, take the next step. Like, let her see. Maybe you're not ready to tithe. So I was going to just say, look, there's steps to this. There's steps to start seeing if you can do it. Because I think you can. My wife and I have been tithing our whole lives. I was going to tell you about that. How faithful he has been. To us every single year, how I believe that the ministry of my mine and my wife has increased because we put God first financially. I've, I've seen it. I was I was going to tell the business owners like, what would happen to your business if you put God first personally? The employees, if you put God first personally, what doors could God open that no man can shut? Oh, it was going to be such a great message. Take the next step. Like I was going to tell you, like step one is just give occasionally. Hey, give occasionally or, 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 or yeah, step one. You know, like in other words, just try giving. When the bucket comes by, just say, oh, you know what? The message was pretty good. That's worth 20 bucks. Boom. You know, just try something like that. And then after that, give consistently. And so here's that. Here's that. That's take a percentage and, and start giving. So maybe not 10 yet. So try 3% or, or 4% or 2%. And you say, uh, here's what I'm going to do. You can do like me. I'm going to make sure that it's the first thing that I give away out of my income. So pay comes on Thursday and Friday. The first thing out is a percentage of my income back to the church to fund the gospel and to tell God I love him and to be um, more proactive so that he doesn't get the crumbs. And then after you do that and you see God faithful in that, 
Then you see if you can do step three, which is give proportionately. I say that's the tenth. That's one-tenth of everything that comes in goes back to God. You say, I bring it. And, and that, that moment is where the blessing starts to be unloaded on you. Like it just starts to pour into you. And I have, I have story after story after story of person in this church who could tell you, not me, they could tell you how faithful God was to them in the tithe. And then step four, give generously. Like go beyond the tenth. And not to this church. Like, no, no. Um, Compassion International. I could tell you, like, my wife and I, we sponsor six Compassion children every month. Six. Because we don't want to just give to this church. We want to be generous with our entire lives. And our, and our goal is not to give less as we grow older. Our goal is to give more as we grow older because God has been giving to us our entire lives even when we didn't deserve it. Oh, it was gonna be such a great message. And the Lord changed me and challenged me and he gave me a three-letter wor- three word for this message as I was preparing it. And here's the three-letter word he said to me, Tim, why? The why we give to God matters as much as the what. Can I get a good amen right there? As you're writing that down, because this actually is the message right here. All that is true. What I just said is true. But if I just shared that and said, okay, let's close our eyes, bow our heads, and say amen, and I didn't give you the why, what good does it what, what, what good is it? Because here's what, what, what happened. I've been through this before. After a message on tithing, some of you would say, oh, that's right, I should give. And so you would, you'd give out of guilt. You'd give like, all right, fine, I should do this. And then a little bit later, the guilt would wear off, and a couple months from now, you wouldn't be giving anymore. Because guilt is a horrible motivator. Anybody know what I'm talking about? It doesn't actually really motivate you. In fact, some of you, it would, be, um, it would be like a self-salvation project for you. Self-salvation project. Because here's what you would do. You would say, oh, that's right. I, I'm sorry, Pastor. All right, I feel guilty about this. So, okay, fine. fine. All right. I, will, I will start tithing. And here's what you would have thought. I'll start tithing now to pay for my not tithing earlier. And that's That's called self-salvation. That's called thinking that you can undo your bad with your good. And that is every other religion on the planet except this one. Because this one teaches you, you can't undo your bad. I can't undo my bad. I don't have to undo my bad. Do you know why? Because the gospel says Jesus undid my bad at the cross 2,000 years ago. I don't... I don't atone for my sins. Jesus atoned for my sins. But if I had just left you with give to God, I could have possibly created in you this self-salvation project whereby you atone for your past mistakes with your present and future behavior. And that would not have been the right motivation for you to give. Not at all. And then some of you would have walked out of here and said, I, I want my income to double in a year. And you would, have took, you would have taken this lesson from this message. You would have said, oh, it's a give to get program. I got it. I got it. All right. So I give God my tenth and then he doubles my income. Is that how this works? Woohoo! Right? And then you would have done it. And here's the thing. And I've seen it happen. 
some people have experienced immediate blessings after they tithe. And, and I would challenge you because you, you possibly could, but you might not. Like you might just see other blessings. I, I know you'll see blessings, but you're not going to maybe see your income double in a year. And I don't want to sell you false hope. And I don't want, you know, guilt is a bad motivator to give, but greed is worse. Like to give to get, that's just greed. So, why? And the Lord brought me to Mark 12, the widow's offering. Remember this story? The widow gives two mites, two pennies, two coins, not even two pennies, two coins that add up to a penny, the Bible says. I said, Lord, why, why do you want to bring me to this passage? I don't even know, I don't even know if I want to preach this. And the Lord's like, preach it. <laughs> he said it nicer than that, but he said it. <laughs> and then I... He led me to what happened just earlier. It's the last week of Jesus' ministry. It's the last week of Jesus' three-year earthly ministry. He's in the temple that Herod built. And he's ticking off the religious leaders. And he's healing people. And he's casting out demons. And he's days away from the cross. He's days away, keep that in your mind, from the cross. And here's what he says in Mark 12, 38, verse 38. And in his teaching he said, beware. Somebody say, Beware. Beware of the scribes who like to walk around in long robes and like greetings in the marketplaces and have the best seats in the synagogues and places of honor of the feast, honor at the feast, who devour widows' houses for a pre and for a pretense make long prayers. They will receive greater condemnation. So there's different levels of judgment. He says the worst kind of judgment is for those who just do religious stuff to be accepted by religious people. The motivation, the why. He says, there's some people out there, you see them, scribes, like these guys, or whatever. I mean, he's saying this in front of the scribes. This is how you get yourself crucified, by the way, right here. In front of the religious leaders. Beware of those people. Because all they're doing, all their flowing robes, all their pretense, all their prayers, it's not for God. It's for them. It's spiritual parachute pants. They just want to fit in with everybody else. Don't be like that. This is what Jesus would have said. This is what Jesus did say. Don't do things with your money, listen, just to fit in with people. You could do this with religious offerings. So, so look what happens in the very next passage, verse 41. And he sat down opposite the what? Say it. The treasury. So he's watching people give, and he watches the people put money into the offering box. Look at, the last, look at that next sentence. Many rich people put in what? Large sums. Context matters. Let me explain to you what happened in that treasury 2,000 years ago in, in Herod's temple. They had 13 offering boxes, 13. And on the top of the offering box where they collected the money, there was this trumpet-shaped opening, like a funnel. We would call it a funnel. And it was made out of a ram's horn. And they didn't have paper money back then. They had only coins. And so here's what rich people would do. They would come to, to worship with their large sums of coins, and they would come to the trumpet-shaped 
funnel thing that led to the offering box, and they would drop their large sums of coins into the offering funnel, and how, how many know what would happen? What would happen? Noise, like they'd be like, woo! Just listen. And everybody would be like, whoa! That guy just gave a lot of money. He's awesome. He's amazing, and that's what they did it for. That's what they did it for. This is why Jesus says in Matthew 6, verse 2, what does he say? When you give, sound no what? Trumpet. That's what he's talking about. That trumpet-shaped opening. Isn't that cool? That's what he was talking about. He says, when you give, don't, don't make a big noise about it. As the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets. What that they may be, what's the next word? Praised by others. Parachute pants. <laughs> they just want people to think well of them. And don't be like that, Jesus said. And, and then he's watching them do this, these big givers, one, one after another. Then another guy comes, and he's got even more. He's got a bigger can. Oh, my gosh. Like, what? Look at this guy. Wow. Generous. Big-time giver. What does he do for a living? And then verse 42. And a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which make a penny. Like it's not even a penny. The coins weren't even a penny. He had to have two of them just to make a penny. See her coming. Clothes disheveled. Maybe some holes. No one looking at her. No one being awed by her. No one paying attention. No one. And she comes to the offering box, and I want you to hear her gift. Hardly noticeable. No one shouting, no one celebrating, no one recognizing, no one bringing her into their little religious clique because of how much she gave. No one paying attention except Jesus. If Jesus hadn't been there that day, she would have been erased from history, but I'm so thankful he was there. Because it, it goes like this, the very next verse, he called his disciples to him after this moment, and he says to them, truly. And the word truly in Greek is amen. Literally, amen. This woman's gift got Jesus to say, amen. And he goes, truly, next part of the verse, I say to you, that this poor widow has put more into the offering box than all of the others because they gave out of their abundance. But she, out of her poverty, has put in everything. Somebody say everything. Everything she had. What's the next letter? What's the next three letter word? All she had to live on. Jesus gives us more information about this widow than, than just the fact that she was alone and poor. She took her last two coins. 
She did what the rich young ruler in, in, in the other gospel, in Luke's gospel, was not willing to do. Sell everything and give it away, and you will have treasure with me in heaven. She did what he was not willing to do. She put everything, 100% in. And she did it to no fanfare and to no celebration and to no applause. And Jesus sees her and points her out and says to his disciples, guys, look at that. Look at that. Because that, that, that's giving. She's not doing it for herself. She's not doing it for give to get. She's not doing it for the notoriety. You know why she's doing it? Because she loves God. turning the page from chapter 12 to chapter 13 because you're not supposed to actually stop reading at the chapter markers. They were never there in the original text. So we're supposed to read right into verse 1 of chapter 13. And as he came out of the temple, this just happened. This widow's offering thing just happened. And as he came out of the temple, the disciples, who are often like us, thick as bricks, (laughs) said, look, teacher, look at these marvelous buildings. And, And they were looking They were looking at, and wonderful stones, they say, they were looking at Herod's temple. Why do I bring this up? Because Herod's temple was built by a guy named Herod. Okay, you're you're in the right place. Okay, that's fine. Herod the Great, who's a fantastic builder, and he was, quote, unquote, the king of the Jews at the time, the political, the president, you could say. Like the civil leader, but not the spiritual leader. And the problem with Herod was that he was not a Jew. That's his problem. Because you can't be king of the Jews and not be a Jew. That's actually in the Bible, in Deuteronomy 17. So he had a problem. See, he, Herod the Great, had this great insecurity problem. And he, he manipulated political movements, Octavius one of the Roman generals. He, he manipulated Octavius to make him king of Judea through politics. And so he became king through politics, but not through the promise of God's word. And because of this, the Jews hated him. You're not even Jewish. You don't even belong in our people. How dare you be our king? So guess what he did to win their approval? He built them a huge temple. He built them a huge temple with wonderful stones and wonderful buildings. And there was a saying at the time, uh, the rabbis used to say, he who has not seen Herod's temple in Jerusalem has never seen a beautiful building. It was gorgeous. It was, it was outstanding. It was a marvel of ancient architecture. And if you go to Israel with me next year, you'll see the last remaining wall of that great temple where Jews to this day gather and pray and weep and cry for a temple to come back to that region today. And uh, Jesus says to the disciples who are thick as bricks, he says, do you see these great buildings? There will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. Herod built the temple not for God. You with me there? He built the temple for himself because he wanted the Jews to like him. 
He had the Romans who liked him already because he played politics with them. And he played religious stuff with the Jews so that they would like him. Guess what he did by building that temple? He just built one big pair of parachute pants. It all comes together. And Jesus says it's not going to last. This is the problem with parachute pants. They don't last. (laughs) This is the problem with paying for people to like you. It doesn't last. This is the problem with trying to always fit in with financial things. Houses and neighborhoods and cars and style. It doesn't last. Here's the ironic thing about Herod's temple. He died before it was completed. He died actually 60 years before it was completed. It took about 80 years to build. Here's the, here's the biggest irony. Are you ready for this? It took 80 years to build. It was completed in A.D. 64. Why do I mention that? Because in A.D. 70, six years later, the Romans came marching into the city and destroyed it. What Jesus said came true. When you spend your life building something for people to approve of you with, it all comes crashing down. It lasted six years. Ironic number, right? Six. Six years it lasted, and it was destroyed. Here's the points that I really want to make today, and I'm going to be quick. Everyone, number one, everyone spends money seeking someone's attention or approval. I do it, you do it, everybody does it. The guy who goes out in midlife crisis and buys himself a sports car and a leather jacket, He's just trying to prove that he still's got it. Yeah. The girl who buys 50 pairs of shoes that she'll never wear because she was with her girlfriends and they were all buying and so she bought. The teenager who goes out and buys the outfit that they really shouldn't pay for because they should be saving for college, but because they want to belong, they go and buy the outfit and then they post pictures of themselves on Instagram so that other people will like it. That's, that's just paying for approval. The guy who goes out and finances the new car so that he can post it on his social media and make, make it look like he's got a lot of things going on. He's just paying for approval. That's all he's doing. Everybody does this. This is the human nature. If, if, if a guy's willing to pay a porn star to say, I love you, what else are we going to be willing to pay for? See, this is why you want to come to the gospel, because the gospel is here to set you free from that. Jesus wants to set you free from needing other people to think that you're Okay. This is why Isaiah in the Old Testament says to the people of Israel, Isaiah 55 on the screen there with me, he says, why spend your money on food that does not give you strength? Why pay for food that does you no good? Listen to me, God says, and you will eat what is good and you will enjoy the finest food. What are you hungry for? You're hungry for approval. Well, you can't get it from people. They'll approve you today. They'll hate you tomorrow. On Palm Sunday, they said, Hosanna to the King of Kings, Hosanna to the Son of David. And five days later on on Good Friday, they said, crucify him. People are fickle. Opinions change. Approval is a false idol. It'll let you down. John chapter 6, Jesus echoes Isaiah's statements. He says in verse 27, spend your energy seeking the eternal life that the Son of Man can give you. For God the Father has given me, what? 
the seal of his approval. You get God's approval by coming to Jesus. And here's the best part. If you've got God's approval, you don't need anybody else's. God wants to set you free financially. This is how, this is how financial blessings work in the economy of grace. That when we get grace and God's goodness when we didn't pay for it and deserve it or earn it, now we're set free to stop paying for those things from everybody else. Now you can have your own life the way God wants you to have it, free from chasing what other people think you should have. Isn't that good? Oh, this is good preaching. Number two, Jesus spent all of himself on me. Jesus spent all of himself on me. You ever think about this? Jesus was actually God's tithe for you. He was God's firstborn son. And he was put on the cross for you. You know, you know why Jesus points out this widow who gave everything in that offering bucket? Do you know why? Because remember, he's only days away from the cross. And I think what he saw in her, he knew was what he was about to do. She gave everything, guys. Look at that. Look at that. Watch that so you don't forget it because, because I'm about to do the same thing for you. Ephesians 5.2 says he loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice. Underline the next two words in your notes. For us. A pleasing aroma to God. So Jesus going to the cross was God's offering of himself because he is God the Son, he was offering of himself for you. And he gave everything for us. This is why we give. This, this, friends, this is the right motivation for what you give to God. Point number three. When I bring my offering or offerings to God, I teach or remind my heart that his love is all I really need. That's the key. That's why you tithe. Why you go beyond the tithe. That's why our church tithes. Because sometimes, you know, the devil creeps up on, on me, the enemy, or the lust of the flesh creeps up on me and says, you know what you could do with that money? You know what you could do with that money? And I do it again, and I say, I don't care what you say. I know what God says. I know what God did. How can I not? Because if I start swallowing and eating everything, I just become a consumer. I just become a taker. I just become utterly self-centered. And, and the tithe says to this stubborn, nasty organ in my body, no, I, I'm not going to be like that. I'm not going to be like that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to teach you a lesson. And this little, ah, 
and, and then he gets over it. He gets over it because you know what? Then he sees God's blessing and then he, rem he remembers God's goodness and he remembers the cross and he changes. That's why you give. 2 Corinthians 8, 9, you know the grace of the Lord Jesus. This is why Paul says, he says, you know, this is why you give, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor so that you by his poverty might become rich.